ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Shea Station podcast. We're 10 games into the season for the New York Mets, and Jerry, things look kind of good. Things look pretty good, man. It's uh, all positive in Mets' neighborhood. Uh, the team looks solid, man. We were There was some worry with Max Scherzer's hamstring and Jacob deGrom going down. Um, but the rotation has been historically good, setting the stage for, you know, the the offense to just relax and, and play themselves. So it's been a, a good start to the year for sure. Yeah, we were both there this weekend on different days. You were there for the crazy home opener. It was a zoo. I was there on Sunday to see uh, Jay Horwitz get, uh, get honored. That was really cool as well. Fun weekend, though, in Metsland. Yeah. Oh, man, what a fun weekend. We, we got to do the, the pre and post that was my first time being like a remote, like on site. So that was wild. It was um, me and Terry Collins, which was good. I hadn't seen him in years. So to, to see him in person was great. And, and Gary and, and Todd, of course. Um, but the environment was electric out there. I got to see some, some friends. Um, so it was just awesome, man. It was fun to be, be around the ballpark, to feel that energy again. Uh, because it truly is like, there's nothing like it, the, the atmosphere that you get there. And so it was just, just really cool to kind of feel a part of it again. And, uh, the broadcast was fun. Yeah, I know it's cliche to say at this point, because we've been, you know, I've been thinking it for years, but this year does feel a little bit different. I that with the statue induction, with how loud things were on Friday, how well the team is playing. They're not making the same mistakes that we're used to seeing the Mets make. It just, there's a different aura around this Mets team. And this Mets team always plays well in April. That's no shock. And that's no shock for fans that, you know, watch every season, but getting off to a good start is always going to feel good. And we have a nice uh, fun series for uh, you guys to listen about today. First, we got to tell you about our today's sponsor, which is Manscaped guys. Keep your downstairs clean. Baseball is back and we're sliding into home plate this spring with freshly clean-shaven balls. Not baseballs, the other kind. Join the other 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code SHEA. That's S-H-E-A. Manscaped has the full package for your package this season. More dick jokes. We like that. Going up to the plate against Jacob deGrom this season is tough enough. Dehair your nostrils with the Weed Whacker from Manscaped so you can take your best shot at that. Rumor is that one of the league's biggest issues during the lockout was legalizing the use of ball deodorant and ball toner for players. Luckily, you don't have to worry about that or getting kicked out of the league for having clean and good-smelling balls with Manscaped. You can get all these products and more with their Performance Package 4.0 if you go to their website, manscaped.com, and use the code SHEA for 20% off and free shipping. Thank you to Manscaped for sponsoring today's episode of Shea Station. Is that our first actual Shea coupon code, like the promo code? We've had a couple Shea's, I think. Have we? We've had one or two. It was the trade coffee. Was that John Boy still? No, that was Shea, I think. But it was like a okay, slash. Well, this, hey, Manscaped. Shout out to Manscaped. By Shout the way, Manscaped. like for real, unbelievable products. Um mm. But also for just giving us some love, which promo code Shay, just go there, plug it in. Don't you, you don't have to buy anything, but if you're going to plug it in, just give us some some love. I'm I'm excited for that one. Speaking of Shay, um, we're keeping it on the down low, except I'm telling everyone so it's not really the down low anymore. New Shay Station merch coming. It's in the uh, works right yes. now. Yes, yeah, Looks we're we're dialing guys. it in. We're we're figuring it out. It's a t-shirt. 
Um, obviously, we're we're just coming. We're we're just now getting into the final details, so it's exciting. I'm gonna buy one as soon as it's ready. Keep an eye on our socials, all that jazz. All right, let's talk some Mets baseball. I'm gonna wait, take wait, wait. I just want to oh, talk. We're okay, not a couple talk quick Mets things. A couple quick hitters. Know. Okay. The Tom Seaver statue, if you haven't had a chance to go see it, it is magnificent. It truly is. It is huge, but it's really cool because it's that Tom Seaver pose to where his knees like dragging on the dirt. and You can still see the dirt, but it's so big. You get all the fun details. Um, I was really touched by the ceremony, hearing his widow Nancy talk. And, and I literally was like being a new dad and seeing and just being an ex-ball player had to be thinking like how, how big of an impact do you have to make to where, you know, 30 years later, they put a statue up. Like it's wild to think about. Um, so that was really fun. Uh, that was great. It was posthumous though. And so, you know, he didn't get a chance to, to feel that love that he deserved. It was nice for his family, but it would have been cool for Tom himself uh, to be there. So it was nice for Jay Horowitz. For you guys that don't know, Jay Horowitz is the longtime PR guy. I want to say like 80, 81, 82, 83. He did it for 40 like years from 80 yeah, 40 to, years. to 2010. He's so. a legend. Go down that, that rabbit hole if you want and dig up some Jay stuff. He's fantastic. Uh, it was nice to see him get the press box put into his name and honored while he's alive, thinking about Seaver and then seeing what Jay, you know, to, to embrace the organization. You mentioned earlier, uh, Jolly, that it feels different. You know, it's easy to say that because the team's playing really well, but it does feel different. It feels like they're doing all the right things. Like it's, it was just a, it's a good feeling around the ball club, even when they lose, they're doing the right things. They're losing games in ways that games get lost. They're not throwing things away. It does feel different, and I hope it continues, and I think it will because I feel like the whole organization, it took a year and a half maybe to really get the ball rolling, but this the direction feels good. So we can dive in, but I wanted to touch base because you made that good point about it just feels different, and it really does. I mean, like, we got to walk past the statue when we left yesterday. It is larger than life, and appropriately so, because that's the kind of legacy that Tom Seaver has. At the same time, like you said, it, it feels overdue, because Seaver's time was a long time ago, and he's long been the best player in Mets history. So I, I think it's fully appropriate for him to get that kind of honor. Yeah, we're, we're, far, we're far removed from the, uh, the Shea Station pitcher draft, and I just want to say that I lost. From I, I drafted to ground first. I'm willing to admit it. Like I like still Takes like big my man. team, but the fact like I've you know I look I looked at the stats and stuff, and J I think Jacob Degrom is going to be a great Met. I think he's historic, but then I I, I felt what was out there and, and really took another deep breath and I was like, man, why did how do you not take the franchise with the first overall pick? You went so for I did shock value on the first pick, it. but yeah. Anyway, let's get into this weekend. Mets yeah, baseball, let's talk baby. Mets baseball. Huge home opener. We got a huge curveball before the game even started. Mark Canna and Brandon Nimmo hit the COVID IL because of a staff member testing positive. That spread around the clubhouse. Luckily, it didn't spread out to the whole team, which was good. But the Mets came out swinging. Pete Alonzo, who has been an RBI machine, he grabbed a couple of sacrifice flies to open the scoring. Robinson Cano hit a solo home run the opposite way. That was pretty cool. Francisco On a changeup away. It was crazy. I mean, like, you know, I put out a tweet about him and it instantly aged like milk. So that was kind of funny. <laughs> uh, Francisco Lindor had a nice home run as well. Chris Bassett is 
awesome. Really fun to just watch him do his thing. Another six innings, one run ball. There are two hits, two walks, six Ks. Just the one solo home run to Dalton Varsho. Jason Shreve and Drew Smith, we're going to talk about them this episode because we should be talking about them. They have been complete bright spots out of the bullpen. Then the Mets just poured it on in the eighth inning. Starling Marte hit a nuke of a three-run homer. Lindor hit his second. That didn't look like it was going to go out. It looked like he almost got it on the fists, but he was able to muscle that out from the right side. And then they uh, did a uh, did a messy job in the ninth inning, Sean Reed Foley, but they got the job done. A nice 10-3 win in the home opener in, full, in front of what looked like a sold-out Mets crowd. Very cool. It was a fantastic game. Uh, the the Cano homer, like, you know, we've been kind of hard on him. He's like the only Met that we've been hard on. Hard on is not a great go back to back. It's too late. You could, you could have not given it attention. Thing. Like but. this is, <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> so Cano, like he took a change up away and took it to deep left center field, like into the wind, the wind and the sun were crazy for fly balls this whole weekend. Um, but he proved to me, you know, as an older man, if I'm facing him and I see him and I'm thinking, you know, I'm just going to throw something off speed or fastball down and away. And the worst thing that he can do is bloop it into left field and get a single. So there's no damage. And then he took that change up and smashed it into left center field, completely changed my perspective because it wasn't a bad pitch and he drove it out the other way. Vintage, his bat speed is still there. So as long as they can maintain that bat speed and he gets in and gets some rest, that he's. It, it, I was baffled. Plus, Chris Bassett wasn't at his best, but you saw what he could still do. This is a this was an inferior lineup, and he carved him up. He only gave up those two hits. Dalton Varsho hit a you know like a just went down and got it. Who's the guy played center field and then he caught in the last game like he was catcher. Like when do you fielder. ever see that? Blew my mind. Um, but Streven and and Drew Smith looked great. Um, and then, you know, Nimmo and Canna. Canna's fully vaxxed, and so he should be back soon. Nimmo, I don't believe, is. So there's going to be a little bit of a delay there. So hopefully um, we get those guys back soon. You want to talk game two? Yeah, game two. Uh, Cookie Carrasco's second start after his magnificent first. He looked great. He had everything working. He was throwing all of his pitches for strikes, mixing up. He went five shutout, gave up only three hits, two walks, had eight strikeouts that was huge he went a one two three first inning which was a breath of fresh air for everybody uh he just looked great and then uh zach gallon also looked really good for um the diamondbacks he had that really good curveball coming um the mets were shut out for a while and then they put it on and then seth lugo had a little bit of an implosion um his second rough outing of the, the young season he's played three games I'm not worried. There seems to be some temperature checks on on the worry on Seth Lugo. Me personally, I'm not worried. His stuff looks sharp. Uh, there was some talk about his velo being down, but I checked deeper into that, and it's not down. Um, his top end, he's not throwing 98 anymore and touching 98, but he did that like once a month. Um, but I still think he's going to be fine. It'd be nice to get him in. But Adovino looked really good. Trevor May came out and put up a scoreless um, and then Mark Melanson slammed the door shut. He looked uh, fantastic like he always does. Um, but the Mets end up losing three to two in game two, uh, setting the stage for Sunday's uh, series finale. 
Yeah, I, w- I was really interested in this series finale because Game 2 felt like the first kind of real loss of the season. I don't know if that makes sense. The other ones felt yep, like no, they No, we lost they just... it from, from the cover. We didn't blow right. it. We shouldn't have won. They beat us. It wasn't a blown lead or anything. We just didn't have our, our best performance on the field. So I was like, all right, how, are, how is this Mets team going to respond to a game that they lost thoroughly? Because last two times we saw them, um, they responded with great wins and resiliency after blown leads. And this yeah, Mets team Mar- came Marte out. hit a big, a big two-run home run, but that was our only real shot, and we got to 3-2. We still had a chance to win, um, but we did get beat. And so game three was like, you, you talked about the difference between how the team feels this year and how they felt in the past. This was a game that could have easily gotten away from everybody um, because it was a getaway day. It was a home series against a team that you should beat. And Mets teams in the past probably would have just let this game kind of get away from them and lose thinking like, we'll make it up. But there's some, they showed some urgency. Yeah. I mean, a lot of things were going against us in game three. David Peterson's making his first turn in the rotation in place of Taiwan. And if you lose this game after the high of game one, you've suddenly lost a series to the Arizona Diamondbacks and you're losing valuable ground there. Peterson looked great, though. Four and a third innings, worked out of some jams, uh, three hits, two walks, no runs, four Ks. He threw the second hardest pitch of his career, which is something interesting, at 96 miles per hour, so it looked like the adrenaline was flowing for him. I think he's very happy to get another shot at uh, making the Mets starting rotation. Jason Shreve has been awesome for this team. He went six up, six down in long relief for the club, two strikeouts in the making there, really gave some relief to the bullpen that had to put in some work Uh, Yesterday, he has a 1.69 ERA in five and a third innings. That's awesome. Mets offense, they were stymied for a little bit again. Kind of worrisome. Uh, Didn't have our A lineup out there, but still, you want to put up runs on Diamondbacks pitching. They break through in the sixth inning for three runs. It comes off a Diamondbacks error, but it kind of just opened the floodgates. J.D. Davis had a nice pinch hit RBI single, and then that stolen base, which I want you to talk about a little bit later, because I know that was a a post-game topic on SNY. Um, Pete Alonso hit a screaming line drive home run uh, for a two-run shot after Lindor got on. Um, I want to talk Mets designated hitter a little bit later because I think the best DH on the Mets might not be Cano or JD or Dom. It might be Pete Alonso. And then Edwin Diaz came in, did his thing, locked down the save, and the Mets win the series, take the game 5 nothing, and they're now 7-3 and three in their first 10. Awesome. Really big, really big win. Um you said it like everything you should win this game, but you had all the excuses stacked up because it's Peterson's first start. You don't have your a lineup. You're giving your guys rest. You know, it's the the kind of the letdown day after some big emotional games, um, but they didn't allow it to happen. And that's the difference. The team stayed in. You got chase and Shreve was great. David Peterson. I want to point out. So Peterson looked incredible in Philly. He had his, change up really working he had that like split change thing and he was throwing it to lefties and righties and that really was his out pitch in philly uh, yesterday in his in the, his first real start against the diamondbacks he went to his slider so that shows me that he has a feel for things whereas i talked about it a little bit in preparation from being a reliever coming out and just doing it you didn't have time to prep and now he's had five days to think about it coming into a start. They have this whole game plan. Sometimes it's hard for young guys to get away from the game plan when when things when you need to, because uh, while you're you know playing this game, sometimes it doesn't work out the way you plan or most of the time it doesn't. And some guys have a hard time deviating away from the game plan when things just aren't the way. So what I saw from him getting going from his changeup that was his out pitch 
uh, in the first appearance to that slider shows me that he has a feel for what's going on. I think there's a really good connection between him and McCann, which is, which is positive. And, and I think it's a comfortability thing for him. So I, I would like to see uh, as much as I love Nito and I think he's, he's awesome. Uh, whatever it is with McCann and, and, and Peterson is, is a great connection. Yeah, I want to piggyback off you here for a second because Go you said it. in our PPP that Peterson needs to develop a third pitch, like a, a swing and miss pitch that can sort of take him to the next level. The slider that he really relied on yesterday got uh, five whiffs out of nine throws there. So, I mean, it was really working, especially against right-handed hitters, which has sort of been, you know, a little bit of a tough spot for David Peterson. And I honestly think that, you know, Buck was playing it safe for the guy that hasn't been stretched out fully. He didn't let him go the full five, but Peterson... And a lot of tough spots and a lot of jams looked really good yesterday. He did a great job. And and I like the fact that he got pulled kind of early. It's it's for a couple of reasons. It's to keep them the Mets in the ballgame, but it's also another confidence builder for for Peterson because he's he was super effective in those outings. And you if you take him out even before he gets that little bit of a blemish or he starts to 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 kind of decline a little bit he doesn't get to that point to where he starts doubting his confidence. And this is a builder. That's what Buck Showalter has been doing very well. He's, he's putting guys in situations to, for the whole season, like he's building a championship team and Peterson's going to be a part of it. It's smart to, to kind of cut it short here to maybe get an extra out there. So I, I really like that. And like, like we said at the top of the episode, Mets starting pitching is just been incredible. Like there's no real other word for it. They went 15 in the third innings this series, one earned run, six walks, eight hits, 18 strikeouts. And I think that, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about who the Mets are playing next, but you need that kind of performance going forward. It's been sensational. We, you talked about it. You have it written down here. The Mets rotation of 1.07 ERA without DeGrom and with Max Scherzer giving up the most runs is the lowest in franchise history through 10 games. It's even bigger than that. We talked about it on the post game. It is the best rotate twice through the rotation the best 10 starts by a starters era since the advent of era since 1913 it is historically the best two trips through it's wild yes absolutely it's an anomaly and like, because that that is not gonna hold up jacob Degrom isn't there yeah it's right there that's crazy how how good they've been um even with taiwan going down taiwan looked unbelievable it looks really good he that split really change good. was amazing but yeah, just an overall great performance. You wanted me to touch on the J.D. Davis play. Yeah, and there's a, okay. There's a bunch Can I explain why, though? We, yeah, were, yeah. we were in the Coca-Cola corner sitting, watching the game, and um, you know we're having fun, drinking a little bit, uh, eating some hot dogs, and we don't really see it when it happens, and then everyone's kind of confused cheering, and J.D.'s on second base, and he's pointing at people, and then everyone just kind of kept playing. So we had no idea what happened because we were sitting there live. So I want you to give me like your Jerry Blevins analysis of the play. So, so the whole thing is that was a great hustle play. So that's what another thing I'll just lead into that. So the Diamondbacks had made a really heads up play uh, because Francisco Lindor was on first. They had an infield pop up and they let it fall to get Francisco Lindor out. So Pete Alonso would be at first a much lower runner. But then Eddie Escobar does an amazing thing. He bloops a single. Pete Alonso goes first to third. Escobar gets a hustle double that makes a young team make a throw to second base that scores the first run, a wild throw. He ends up on third. But this sets up J.D. Davis, who had a, an awesome single. There's a runner on third, and, um, and Dom Smith, he has a, hey, buddy, you want to come here for a sec? Hi, sorry. Oh, my, my, my who's appearing? Favorite. Let me see. Hey, dude. 
Daddy. We're recording. <laughs> you say hi. Daddy. <laughs> hey, I've been gone all weekend, and so my boys. Yeah, I don't blame him, man. Yeah. We're hey, come here. Come here. Give me a hug. Can you say hi to to Jack? Say hi, hey, to bud. Jack. How's it going? Hey. <laughs> Let's. I need you to we go upstairs. I'll now. be up in a minute. Okay. Can you do that? Okay. Love you, bud. He said. He said bye. That just melted my heart. I don't even want to talk about the Mets anymore. <laughs> yeah, my boys, I missed them. Uh, and they missed me, which is really cool. Um, but, yeah, no, it got me. I love them. It's, it was cool to see them, like, run in to, to see Daddy uh, this morning, kind of big hugs. But um, so Dom Smith is at third. Right. And there is a pop-up to left field, uh, like a fly ball, sack fly. And – J.D. Davis is on first, right? Or is it? Yeah. So J.D. Davis is on first, Dom. Shallow fly ball. Joey Cora, who's the third base coach, has been doing an amazing job playing aggressively. Sends everybody. Yeah. And it's good because he's, again, I'll I'll talk about the feel of the team. He's putting pressure on the defense. The first couple of games they got thrown out at home, the teams made perfect throws and perfect relays. Um, They're not going to happen all the time. And you saw it. Dom scored on a, a shallow fly ball that, that the guy stumbled kind of coming out and threw it away. But so there was a little bit of an issue with Dom leaving early. So the team was going to appeal the old, you know, step on Oliver Perez has got the ball on the mound. He has to step off, throw to third for the appeal. So the only, the reason they have to step on is because it goes, you put the, it goes into play, then you step off and then turn and throw. So there's a sequence of things because it's a dead ball and then he starts the clock. So you step off and you throw to first and then the umpire is like safe because most likely it was safe or out if he left early. Um, but this is what JD Davis did. He, as soon as Oliver Perez stepped off, JD Davis took off running towards second. Now that's wild. And the reason is JD Davis knew because Buck Showalter and the Mets covered everything in spring training. That he JD Davis knew that if Oliver Perez engaged with him running to second, now it's uh, the next play has happened. Yeah. So now the next play, he's starting to try to get the guy out. So the the appeal is a you can't appeal anymore because it's washed that, away. There's a, it's a wash now. The fact that they knew that they were aware of it. Shout out to Tomas Nito who was told him. He's like, hey, when he steps off, take off. And he's like, yeah, I remember. Um, I didn't know that. And 17 years of, of spring trainings and 13 seasons in the big leagues, I still had no idea until Buck Showalter explained it in the postgame. Gary Cohen and all his knowledge and Ron and, and, and the booth, I still didn't understand. And, and we were all talking about it at, at the, in the studios. Until Buck really explained it, I wasn't sure the full sequence of the of events. So it, it was it didn't matter because Dom Smith did not leave early. But if he had, since JD ran and Oliver Perez kind of took a couple of steps at him, he can't appeal anymore. So it would have been a run. So JD Davis gave himself up. He actually ended up getting stolen base, but he gave himself up to sacrifice for a run, which is an easy sacrifice brilliant play the fact that they all covered it is wild and that shows you the difference in a buck showalter team and everybody else i was gonna say the same thing i don't think you see a mickey calloway or ed uh 
Luis Rojas Mets team do that kind of thing. That's just knowledge of the game in and out and knowing the rules and taking pride in knowing the rules. I think it's really cool. You do a lot of silly things in spring training. We cover like, we used to have like 15 different bunt plays and then they never run them in the entire season. They do like play one every single time, but this thing as uh, it's practical and the, an appeal happens all the time. And just in case you have that knowledge, that's wild. It's a loophole. It doesn't make sense to me. It's not fair because you know what I mean? It doesn't make sense, but it is a rule. And the fact that the Mets were, they covered it probably one time in spring training, just in case. And, and they were aware that's an amazing feat. It's an amazing accomplishment. Uh, I was very impressed with that whole thing. And I was very impressed with the Mets lineup in this series as well. We got three guys that had some standout uh, performances. The biggest one for me, especially because he got off to like a little bit of a slow start there, was Stalling Marte. He had two mammoth home runs in this series, brought in five RBIs, a walk, a stolen base. He goes four for 12. Francisco Lindor is arguably one of the best offensive shortstops in the league through the first 10 games, which is a really good sign for Mets fans as well. He goes three for nine, two homers, three RBIs, four walks, did not strike out in the series, also swiped a bag. And then Jeff McNeil in the leadoff spot. I kind of like it. I liked it. I like it a little bit in place of Brandon Nimmo, obviously, who's usually up there. McNeil goes four for 10. He draws three walks, scores a couple runs, steals a base. Also doesn't strike out. Really good signs from this Mets offensive uh, output here, especially considering they they were missing two very hot bats in Brendan Nimmo and Mark Hanna. They've been super impressive, and it hasn't been because any particular player is just going bananas. It's They're everyone. just playing. There's no guy hitting like 800, although Mark Hanna was hitting, and but it wasn't yeah, like... I think 700 or something. It wasn't like, yeah, <laughs> it wasn't like he was, you know, he hit nine homers in eight games. You know what I mean? This offense is, they're just playing baseball. They're sustainable. I haven't seen anything that's been wild. You know what I mean? It hasn't been too, too crazy. Lindor hitting a home run from both sides of the plate is so cool and so impressive from a physical ability standpoint he had some huge walks in the game that we lost three to two the biggest out was so Lindor had walked with one out after so I want to say Marte hit a huge two-run home run with two outs or with one out then Lindor walked and then that brought Pete Alonso up with a chance to win it Lindor it was a huge walk he gave the Mets an opportunity to win unfortunately Alonso hit into a double play but they're the, Lindor felt all the pressure last year to do everything himself. And now he knows that it doesn't matter who's getting the glory. As long as you pass the baton, that was a, that was a big sign for me that he, he took the walk and he looked into the dugout as he was taking off the pads and the elbow guard. And he was just like, Jack, let's go. Here we go. Like a next man up kind of mentality. Awesome to see. They ended up losing, but they put themselves in a position to win. That was the first game that the bullpen didn't, you know, blow it. But you're going to have these games. It's a long season. You're going to get beat. Stuff happens. It's it's different. Diaz looked incredible. His his slider has been so sharp. The fact that he's getting swings and misses on a on a higher basis. His his slider and his fastball don't have these amazing spin numbers. They they are elite velocity. But the when he dots that fastball down in a way glove side fastball and then he throws that slider that has that true bite 
he's going to get swings out of the zone. Whereas before it would either be a good slider for a strike or a hanging slider. Those were like the only two options. And now he's getting that sharp slider for a strike and then another sharp slider for a swing and miss. It's wild. He is a, he has a, he could be even better than he was supposed to be. Like he, he's up there. I, 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 we've been on him this whole time. We've been on Edwin Diaz. Yeah. And then he him. showed some signs of being able to make some in-game adjustments because he, he got off for a second and then he threw that fastball down and away to Michael Franco. And then it locked back in just really some really good signs uh, of this team overall. They're where they are in the season. Talk about your uh, your Moneyball Mets here. How about second in MLB on on-base percentage, 358, third in MLB in walk percentage, 11.3. These guys just get on base, and like you said, they're giving themselves opportunities to win and succeed every single inning. It's awesome. Yeah, Marte had that stolen base that it led to a run. Like, he, he these are, you know, the Pete Alonso has all these RBI and he's he's hit three home runs and it's not even he's not just mashing these home runs. What he's doing is taking hitting like shallow fly balls and guys are getting in like this is what ideally you have. Even when everything is not one guy's not just going off when everybody's just playing baseball. These are the things that happen. And, and it's it's awesome to see because. Like I said, it's just it's just a, a normal brand of baseball that's a winning like a winning recipe. Again, it's against the the Nationals and the the Diamondbacks that you should be and a Phillies team that I still think we're better than, but they're better. But early signs are very positive. You mentioned the Alonzo sack flies, which I loved because the Mets are just putting him in spots where if he can put the ball in the air, which is what he always does, it'll result in an RBI. He already has two sack flies this season. He only has 10 in his career, so 20% of his career sack flies have come in just the first 10 games of this new season, which is awesome. It's great because Alonzo is always either putting up a huge fly ball somewhere or maybe you know working a good account there here and there, but still opportunities to succeed. That's really important to this Mets lineup. And I really love that you touched on not just one guy doing all this. It's not just one guy carrying the offense with a hot bat right now. Everybody is contributing. Eduardo Escobar is drawing a shitload of walks. Francisco Lindor is always getting on base in front of Alonzo. Jeff McNeil had four walks in this series out of the lead up spot, uh, out of the leadoff spot, which Jeff like McNeil looks locked in too. He looks locked in wherever they're putting him, whether it's second base or left, or if he's batting eighth or sixth or first, he's looked great. And it's really encouraging. I've been hard on him from a maturity standpoint as well because he's had those outbursts. Of course. I've seen him get frustrated, which is fine, man. Everybody goes about their business a different way, but he looks evolved. He looks matured. <laughs> Again, everything is a lot easier when you're winning. It trust yes, me. Of course, of course. We're we're not oblivious to the fact that it's everything, you know, we're we got rose-colored glasses. Uh, but it looks positive. It, there's there's some some really big bright spots like Marte is playing great, but he's not playing. He's not in the zone. He's just playing baseball. That's what I feel about everybody. Nobody has been like lights out. You know, Canna, Canna was pretty much lights out. Like he, 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 he didn't make a wrong decision, but it's just good there. Everybody is just playing their version of let's, how do I make the Mets win? Even I don't need to do everything. What can I do? It's wild. It's awesome. Can we preach, we preach depth on this team. Canna goes down. Next man up, Travis Jankowski, has a great series. Plays in every single game, plays 
lights out defense, steals a base, has a multi-hit game, and the Mets just like picked him out and found him out of nowhere. That's good management. With the additional roster spots of that first month, I think Chase and Shreve and Travis Jankowski have almost made themselves like invaluable members of this, this team. team. I mean, for me, one hundred percent, Chase and Shreve is uh, is a member of the the twenty six man roster. It almost like I know I harp on it a lot. It almost makes the Joelle trade worse for me because of how good Chase and Shreve has been. And like, it's no slack on Joelle. That's a management decision. It's not his fault that they're putting him in certain situations. But Shreve and Smith go five innings combined, no runs, no hits, only two walks, six strikeouts. They have been incredible for this. Yeah, team. I mean, I I agree. I understand on the Joelle trade, but where does where where would Miguel Castro fit into this mix? Is he going to pitch when Ottavino's pitching? Because Ottavino has been really good. I love Miguel. I love Miguel Castro. I really think he's going to blossom this year for the Yankees. I'm still going to root for him. I do think that. You know, Ottavino looked really good in his outing, but he also loaded the bases. He had to strike out the side to get out of it. And, like, Miguel Castro is that similar profile of pitcher where, like, if he doesn't have it, he's going to walk batters. But it's just another weapon you could have in a Mets bullpen yeah, that has yeah, had some I blemishes. I, I just feel like – I just feel like – so of right now, I feel like Buck is getting a feel for who he's got. Right. It looked better this series for sure. Yeah, I think Joelle is going to be – get the third out of an inning – and then let somebody else come in. And no offense to him, I think that's fair. Because Chase and Shreve has he's dominated both lefties and righties. His split changeup is effective to everyone. And he's dotting up his fastball. He's not going to be, you know, he's not going to put up a zero. You know, he, the run that he did give up this year, he didn't even give it up. Yeah. Um, but he looks it looks repeatable. And it's not the first time we've seen him be successful in a Mets uniform. He was dominant in the shortened season. And he's on a minor league deal. If you can believe that he's had, he's had three straight minor league deals and he's had three consecutive good years. So I kind of hope he gets paid this off season. Cause he just, he looks like he deserves it, man. Jason uh, I agree, man. I, 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 it's just, there's nothing special for a guy to look at and say, Oh, look at these numbers, but he just, he's a ball player and he knows how to pitch sometimes you just have that like it's it's great so the main cause for concern obviously from the bullpen still remains Seth Lugo we talked a little bit about it before and I want to harp on him too much because I, I had tweeted fair. about this yep. it's it's fair but Lugo's worst month of his career by far has always been April so I'm holding out hope that he's just getting the gears turning and getting acclimated again and there are guys behind him like Drew Smith um I I would feel comfortable with him in the eighth inning of a close game I'm gonna say that outright Five and a third shutty this season. He's he, he's looked like he's overpowered a lot of great hitters. Uh, even when he didn't he didn't really have his stuff, and he actually posted on Instagram fully admitting that he didn't have his A game in yesterday's go, and he still had a one two three great outing against Arizona. Uh, he had a leadoff walk, I think, or leadoff walk. Sorry, yeah, yeah in that me. last outing, which is uh, not great, but he, again, he's got the stuff to get out of it. That that cutter that's a nasty slider looks incredible. He's a four pitch pitcher now, like you know what I mean? Like that's nice. Yeah, so Seth Lugo, it's fair. It's fair game to talk about the possibilities of of him being this elite reliever that we talk about, but I think it's too early. But the the positives are we don't need him to be his elite self right now because we've had other guys step up and, and be in that role. I think Seth Lugo is going to be fine. Everything looks sharp to me. You know, he – I talked about it on the broadcast, but – that first pitch curveball that he threw before he gave up the home run, the guy that he gave up the home run to, he threw a first pitch curveball, which was perfect. 
obvious strike, not even questionable, got called a ball, changes the entire at bat because then he misses a fastball away and then tries to throw a little give me over two seamer and the guy just hits it for a home run. That's not always going to be a home run. That's a rare occurrence. And, and if that curveball gets called strike, we saw what happened because uh, Oliver Perez punched out J.D. Davis on a 0-2 fastball up right before the next pitch. He gets that RBI uh, pinch hit single that leads to the, the base running, you know, brilliance, I guess. But you can see what the, the difference in one pitch makes. It's fair to talk about Seth Lugo, but I don't. I'm not putting a fork in him yet. I still think he's got some greatness in a Mets uniform to go. Yeah, and it's the caveat of this entire episode. We're only ten games in. Like the season is very much young. There's a lot to happen and develop. But the Mets have the largest division lead of any division leader right now at two and a half games. The Phillies dropped three or four to the Marlins, so they're at four and six. The Marlins moved to four and five. Nationals dropped three or four to the Pirates. They go to four and seven. And the Braves split a four-game set with the uh, with the Padres, excuse me, and they moved to five and six. And the Metsies are sitting a little comfortable right now. They have some tough matchups on the horizon, especially the one that's coming up right up next as the San Francisco Giants are coming to City Field for four games with their amazing starting rotation. Yeah, we're going to see some really exciting pitching matchups this series. Let's watch TV. The San Francisco Giants winning 107 games last year is like the a wild scenario because the on paper it doesn't look great but it is not an accident uh having been in that that clubhouse with the the giants in in 2020 in spring training it's not an accident they are really smart really good far on the leader i was with in oakland Andrew Bailey, their pitching coach i played with in oakland gabe kapler beyond what he did in philly as the manager is freaking genius i've i enjoyed every bit of my interactions with that whole organization like they're they're the rays with uh with the possibility of being a dodgers money. at some point they're building something and it could be epic and right now you look at it on paper and you're like who are these guys are they has-beens are they washed up no, man, they're going to get the best. This is not a freak accident. They're going to be mixed into the playoffs again. They're going to be pushing. They're good. They know what they're doing, um, and they have some amazing pitchers. So we're game one, we get Tyler McGill versus Alex Cobb, and you're like, oh, Alex Cobb, you know, this sinker baller? No, the dude's throwing 96 again. Like, out First of time in his career. It's, it's insane. This is what they do. They find a guy that has really good stuff towards the end or latter stages of their career. And they say, Hey, look, come here. We know how to make you elite again. We know how to take you and push you up to that next notch. Because when you started in this league, it was different. Things have evolved. Now that stuff that you used to have, well, if you can turn it into this, this will be more effective in this era of the game. It is wild. It's happened with Brandon Belt. Brandon Crawford, Evan Longoria. We see it with all their pitchers. It's it's amazing. So you see, you'll see a different style Alex Cobb. Then in game two, you get Logan Webb, who might quietly be the best pitcher on the planet, you know, outside of DeGrom. You, Logan Webb is filthy. He's real. He's definitely real. And he was like factory created. He's a really good kid. He, he uh, <laughs> I had a chance to talk to him. They they revamped his entire delivery to find what works best for him. He's like a lab created. 
he throws this nasty sinker like it's a sinker. Nope, that doesn't happen anymore. But he's it's going to be Logan Webb versus Scherzer. Then the big lefty, you know, Carlos Rodon going against Chris Bassett. He and looked then you really have good. Spafani against Cookie Carrasco. These are four primetime matchups. It's going to be a very good pitching, you know, hopefully very good pitching um, duels coming up on all four games. Yeah, I'd be shocked if any of these games had more than like five runs scored in any of them. And this is the number one rotation in the Mets taking on the number three rotation uh, in the Giants. That's per ERA. And there are, there are some stats to be had here. I mean, we know that McGill hasn't allowed a run or a walk uh, in either of his starts this season, but that came against the Nats and Phillies. Phillies is a good lineup, but this Giants team, like you said, they're different. They are they are created in a lab. They are fine-tuned, and they're they know what they're have doing. A great scouting. They're going to have a game plan coming in, and they're going to be able to make adjustments on the fly. This is a, a team built to figure stuff out. Um, but we'll see, man. This is going to be a fun battle. This game one probably will get rained out tonight. If you have taken a look at the forecast in New York, it does not look good. So I'd expect a doubleheader for tomorrow, which would be Tuesday. I, I saw one to two inches of rain possible. That yeah, is a it's... lot of rain. I want to <laughs> say I have snow scheduled for here in Ohio. I flew out last night, and I want to say that I read this morning, although everything's kind of a blur, I want to say that I had snow. Yes, yeah, snow. I'm glad you're, you're not flying in that. That's good. You see, Show the no, people. you can't see that. I can see like a very blurry image. <laughs> it's good. It's like 38 degrees outside and it's going to snow. It's raining now. It's going to turn to snow. Won't stick on the ground, but come on, man. Come on. I don't know what's going on. It's April baseball. This always happens. The Midwest. You got to love it. Uh, Robinson Cano has some really good numbers against old Alex Cobb. We'll see how it go, goes against new Alex Cobb. 28 at bats, 357 batting average, four home runs for Cano against Cobb. Eddie also has a home runoff Cobb there. Brandon Belt messed up Tyler McGill in his starts against San Francisco last year. Hit a home runoff in both times. The Mets have not had a lot of success against Logan Webb. They've only faced him a couple times. Alonzo hit a home run off him. Uh, and here's a fun stat that Mets fans may not like because we do love Wilmer Flores. Wilmer Flores is over 17 against Max Scherzer. He used to face him a lot on the Mets uh, when we'd play the Nationals, but that's a Crazy sad. I could not believe that when I saw it. Oh, for seven. Get that. He might get that day off. <laughs> I think he might not play that. That's uh, rough. He, I love. He Wilmer. shot me a text last night on my flight home, and he was just like, "I wish you were pitching because he crushed me <laughs> in my career." I was like, "Oh, you're 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 a couple years late, my friend." Yeah, that's, uh, that ship has sailed. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Carlos Rodon leads MLB with 21 Ks so far in his first two starts. He diced up. Uh, the Cleveland Guardians, who were the best offense in baseball when he faced them. So that should be really fun for the Mets. Uh, Lindor has some great numbers off Rodon, hitting righty, 32 at-bats, 313 batting average, a couple bombs there as well. And then uh, most Giants hitters have not faced Chris Bassett. Bassett didn't have his great stuff last time, still looked really good against the Diamondbacks. Cookie Carrasco, though, has looked awesome in both of his starts. He looks like a new man, and it's getting me real excited. He looks like uh, his former self, man, and he looks locked in. Yeah, man. Brings I a mean, tear to my a, eye. Like, Buck talked about it in the post game. He, he didn't – it's not like it's a surprise, but it is a time to take a deep breath and be like, thank goodness. Yeah, thank it's great for, for a cookie, and it's really nice for the team. It takes so much pressure off. And David Peterson 
looking as good as he has and having the success that he has allows the Mets to let Taiwan Walker have a couple of starts on his rehab build. It doesn't pressure, it doesn't put pressure on the organization or the player to rush back, which is so nice. It's such a, a change because everything last year was pressure for the big guys. You know, the only person that really held up to that pressure, two, two people. From an offensive standpoint, Pete Alonso dominated. And from a pitching standpoint, it was uh, Marcus Stroman were the only two people that handled the pressure to be elite the entire season. And it's it's, it's not sustainable. I don't know how both of those guys did it, um, but it's nice this year that that pressure doesn't exist because everybody has been contributing. Everyone. They talked about it on Talking Yanks, and they they basically what I had retained from that mostly was that uh, you cannot put the pressure on pitchers to be perfect every single time out. And the Mets pitchers, they have been fantastic. But th- I do believe this series will be a reality check. The offense is going to have a tough go against four really good starters. But I think if you if you get a series split here against a very good Giants team, I think you take that and you keep going because you have some tough matchups coming up. You got the Cardinals. You got the Phillies again. You have a Diamondback series in there to have some breathing room. But, you know, the Mets, the Mets schedule is going to ramp up a little bit in these next couple of weeks. I, I'm excited for this series because it's a first really real am. test. These guys are good. They're going to be on it. They're going to be locked into the game. You're going to see some back and forth between uh, between Gabe and, and Buck. They're going to try to outsmart each other. Because That's a fun manager matchup, by it the way. Really That's is. Really it really fun. is. It's going to be, you know, it's kind of, it's not old school versus new school, but it is a little bit. Like a little bit, you know, because Bucks with the times, but like Gabe Kapler is new school embodied in a minute. Yes, they are 100% all bought in on everything new and the whole organization top to bottom has bought in. And then you have a guy like, like Buck Showalter, where the whole organization is traditional, but not letting traditional getting the way of enhancing the team. And so it's, it's, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a good series. There's going to be some battles. There's going to be, I imagine every single game is going to be close, you know, except if a, a starter gets blown up, which I don't see happening. I but, don't see it know, happening. Yeah. I mean, I, it's going to be a fun series. All right. I mean, I'm nervous, but I'm also really excited. I'm, I'm super excited. Amped. I want to see some, I want to see some, some, I don't want to see the Mets face adversity. But I think it's a, at some point there's going to be like a real test. You know, they've 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 balled out and passed every single little bit test that they've had from from every bit of this season. And and sometimes they're going to they're going to have a hiccup here or there. Uh, I just want to see if they can bounce back. Maybe they don't. I don't know. Maybe they never face adversity on that level. If they're going to play in October, you got to beat teams like the Giants. You got to beat teams like the Dodgers. You got to beat teams like the Cardinals. And this is the first go around, which can mean good things or bad things for the Mets because they're, they're going to get smacked over the head or they're going to prove that they belong. Uh, so we're going to learn a lot from this series. I think that's yeah, the general it's still notion. Only April. It's right. still like an early, you know, litmus test for for where they're standing. Um, again, this this Giants team is not projected to be the Dodgers, even the Padres. You know, but I still I still fear them like they are. You as you I mean? should, because you understand. But they're going to play a really good brand of baseball, and so we'll see. Man, this is going to be a fun one. You got anything else, Jerry? I don't. I don't. All right, man. I mean, guys, thank you for uh, listening to the latest episode of Shea Station. We'll be back on Friday. 
because this is a four-game set, so we'll be back on Friday, I believe. That's tentative. I don't know. You tell me what to do, Jolly. I'm, you I'm Jerry's way. Everything's secretary. Uh, I organize his Google Calendar and everything. You know, cool. That's my role. <laughs> he just tells me where to be. Uh, you know, as a typical, just I'm talent. Just tell me what to do, and I'll do it. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you guys next time. Let's go Mets. Let's go Mets. Keep an eye on Shea Station socials. Merch. Merch is coming.